everyone. Thank you for listening to the Full of Joy podcast today. I am back with a new guest, Jen Trapek from A Salad with a Side of Fries podcast. Jen is a health and nutrition coach who focuses on how to truly create a healthy relationship with food that is sustainable and achievable for everyone. Today's episode is one that I know will resonate with so many of you, and her story is one that has truly inspired me in so many ways. We chat about how she got started and pivoted throughout her life to become a nutrition coach, and we discuss how to create a healthy relationship with food by listening to your own intuition of what your body needs and the science behind how to maintain a chemical balance within your body. As Jen would say, weight loss isn't magic, it's science. I know you're going to gain so much from today's episode. So grab your notebook and let's jump in. So like I said, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. I just know I relate to you so much and I know people listening can learn so much from you. And really, like I was saying, like I'm inspired by your story. Um, And I think it's interesting. I want you to tell your story, but I think it's interesting that you know, everyone has such a unique journey and the ebbs and flows of life just really lead you to where you're destined to be. And I think it's so cool that you allowed that, you know, process to happen. So share your story with us. Take us back. How did you get started in this space? Um, Tell me like what the whole process looked like. Yeah. Well, so first of all, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. Um, So my background is really business and marketing, but I, and I really fell into the wellness stuff through my own, I call it a saga. (laughs) I feel like the word journey doesn't do it justice. You know, like it was a saga, (laughs) right? But I, so backtracking a little bit, I grew up a dancer. I sort of joke that I was like the skinny one in a family of dieters. And then I think it was really like between high school and college, I started to gain weight. And I mean, that makes sense, right? Like I stopped dancing, food changed in college. You know, I think I went on birth control, like all these things sort of happened at the same time. So I was like, okay, I know what to do. I watched my family do this my whole life, right? So I went on every diet under the sun, gained and lost over and over because that's what you do, right? That's the process. And then fast forward, I... Um, uh, so I went to business school in undergrad. So I basically got an MBA, but in undergrad called a BBA. Graduated, I'm at my first job. And I joke that I was like the bastard child of the business school because <laughs> I every business school like prides themselves on how many of their students have jobs before graduating, right? But I wanted to go into like the advertising side of marketing, like the agency side, where they don't hire in advance. Like they close the client yesterday and build the team tomorrow. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it wasn't like they were going to hire me in September to start the following June. You know, that's not how they work. So I moved to New York without a job. Uh, My backup plan was to go to culinary school if I didn't. So I moved to New York in June, my backup plan was to go to culinary school, like in the fall, if I didn't have a job by Labor Day. I had a job in two weeks. So there went culinary school. (laughs) But I was, so then I start this job and the reality was like, I was overqualified. And 
it's what happens to a lot of us, you know, Mm -hmm. and in that transition from like school to the real world, like when we're in school, we study something for like eight to 10 weeks and then we're on to the next, right? So it was around the time where we'd be like changing classes. It would be the end of the semester. And I was like, I'm bored. Like I'm still doing the same things. I've learned nothing new. Like, you know, so I was itching, right? I was, so I started studying for the GMAT, which is the test to go get your MBA. Um, because they say whoever they are, but they say you score better if you take it sooner after undergrad. So I was like, okay, I'll study for the GMAT. But it was really because I was just bored, right? Mm-hmm. Like I needed something else. So then my family was planning our December vacation. And I remember having to go into the computer system to request the time off. And it hit me like an anvil. I was like, whoa, I am requesting permission for access to my own time. (sighs) Right? (laughs) And I was like, hold, full stop. Like, hold everything. I don't know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, but I know it's not this. Yeah. You know, and my parents worked for themselves growing up. So I saw people who like had that freedom And I knew like I needed to have jobs and learn and do the things that it's, we're not all going to graduate from college and start a business, you know? Mm -hmm. But I was also very clear that sitting there at a company working for somebody else was not how I was going to live my whole life, you know? So then I realized too, if I wanted to work for myself, I didn't need an MBA because I wasn't going to pay me more for getting my MBA, right? Like that's the reality. If I was in like what I had studied in marketing and in business, like on the brand management side of marketing, like you definitely hit a ceiling if you don't have your MBA. Even though I have the same degree in undergrad, you hit a ceiling. But if I wasn't planning on working for any of those companies, I didn't need to do that. You know, so I started looking then for something to do in my spare time to just take that money and invest it. Like that was the grand plan, (laughs) you know, and then everything I thought of to do on the side sounded totally miserable. But in that process of looking for things, I found the program that I now teach, which is what I call the nutrition education. We're all supposed to know, but no one ever taught us. Yeah. And at first, by the way, I was like, no, 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 that's okay. I've got my thing, right? My thing was this crazy roller coaster of like up and down on the scale, (laughs) you know, but I didn't need whatever they had. And then I saw people who were following this program. And the first thing I noticed was that they were keeping the weight off. The second thing was this one woman, and I swear to God, I don't, I don't even know her name. I don't know where she's from. I know nothing about her except that she lost like 150 pounds. But when I looked at her, I couldn't see where 10 pounds could have been on this woman. And my brain was like, this does not compute. Like what is going on? You know? And I like had a moment with myself and 
this was like, a, I was like Jennifer, right? This wasn't even Jen. This was like a full name <laughs> moment, you know? And it was like, they know something you don't know. Like get over yourself. So I worked with a coach. I followed the program. It completely changed my life. Like the only thing that's allowed me to say I've kicked my food issues. And so it was like worlds collided. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do on the side. You know, it doesn't sound miserable. I'm super passionate about it. It's completely changed my life. Pay it forward. You know, and I could see how that could turn into something else that would be that business of my own that I was looking for. So that was a really long-winded story, <laughs> but it's like worlds collided between what I was looking for on a business front and a career front and what was happening in my personal life. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that's really true for most entrepreneurs and especially coaches. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is such a funny story because I think it's so relatable. I mean, even right now I'm kind of on that roller coaster of trying different things. And I think a lot of that stems from, like you were saying, like your family and their beliefs about weight loss or nutrition. And I think I have this, um, like ingrained belief from when I was young of hearing my mom or my grandma or other women in my life saying like, it's hard to lose weight. Like, Oh, if I could just get this weight off, but it's so hard. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, I want to ask, how did you kind of shift your mindset? Like you learned the tools, but what did that mindset shift look like for you? Yeah. So it's really interesting. Cause I think what shifted was that food decisions became intellectual instead of emotional. Okay. How, oh. right. <laughs> how that happened is a lot of understanding the science and like, you don't need a biology degree. Like you don't, it's really practical, approachable science of here's how food impacts our body. Here's what our body does with food. And when we understand some of these things, then we can make choices from an intellectual place rather than relying on willpower, mm -hmm. right? Because I think what happens is that we all think, well, it's me. I suck. I can't walk into the communal kitchen at work and just not eat the free breakfast. Yeah right? Been there. <laughs> I could usually get through, like I could get water once, maybe twice, but definitely by the third time getting water in the day, I was eating the free breakfast. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> and so what happened is when I started to learn, you know, how food impacts our body and how low blood sugar impacts our brain and all these kinds of things, then I walked into the kitchen and literally the free breakfast at work had voices, right? Like the croissant had a voice, the mini muffin had a voice and they were all screaming at me, like eat me, right? And you guys know what I'm talking about, <laughs> right? So these voices from the food are like calling at me. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, I get why that's appealing to me right now. So what I really need to do is go eat this and then see how I feel. And if I still want that, then I can come back. But instead before it was like, why do you suck? Why can't you just not eat this? Yes. Yeah. So you're really taking it to the root of what your body is actually saying to you. It's much more chemical than we have ever been led to believe. 
And by that token, even with like the foods that we do eat, like they're, remember that commercial, like once you pop, you can't stop. Mm-hmm. Was that Pringles? I think mm-hmm. it was Pringles, right? That's chemical. There are chemicals in the food that turn off our brain's ability to tell us when we're satisfied, right? If there are hormones, so similar to, we know insulin. So insulin is a hormone. We can become resistant to insulin. We know that to be diabetes, right? There are hormones that tell us when we're hungry and when we're satisfied. Those are called ghrelin and leptin for any of you guys who want to like go Google. Um, So ghrelin tells us when we're hungry, leptin tells us when we're full. And the same way that we can become insulin resistant, we can become resistant to ghrelin and leptin. So if you feel like you're never hungry and then once you start eating, you can't stop, that's a good indicator that we have some challenges around these hormones. So again, like when it's chemical, it's not our fault. Like we don't suck. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with you, but we can do some things to help you properly respond to these hormones. And then the food choices become infinitely easier than when we're trying to like white knuckle it through life. Wow. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel. So it's cool to see that you're able to break <laughs> through that. Yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, let's talk about habits. How, what do your eating habits look like? Do you eat a lot of the same things? Do you meal prep to make it easy for yourself? Or are you kind of at the point where you can be intuitive with it? What, like, where should I be? What should be my goal? (laughs) So, okay. So the answer is all of the above, but my version of meal prep includes how to read a menu, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I'm the kind of person where if I go to the grocery store and I make a couple things and then I plan to eat that for the week, like I'm going to open the fridge and be like, but I don't feel like eating that. So I'm just going to order. Right. So I'm that person. Like when somebody talks about meal prep, I like roll my eyes. Like all the people whose refrigerator looks like a container store commercial, like (laughs) kudos to you. That's not my real life. You know, like, I love the people who do it. I think it's amazing. I envy you. And you don't have to do that to make healthful choices. So I think one of the big things is, you know, when we talk about where to start, and again, this is not what anybody wants to start with, but like pause for a hot second. Why is this important? Because like, it's not about the scale. The weight is often a symptom. So what else is going on and what is going to be different? So, okay, we want to feel good in our clothes. Cool. What's going to be different about life when you feel good in your clothes? Well, I have more confidence. Great. With more confidence, maybe you're willing to go on that interview Maybe you're willing to have the conversation. Maybe you're willing to go on the date. Maybe, you know, when you show up with confidence, different things happen around you. And so I think one of the big pieces is to start with and say, what do you want? Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's really about energy. P.S. It's never about the scale, right? (laughs) We want to wake up every day and have energy to like do the things that we want to do in life. Or I always talk about, like, I remember always having that constant running loop of that voice in the back of our head that was talking about our food. 
or keeping track of our food. So what did I eat for breakfast? What did I eat for lunch? Should I be eating that? Should I not really be eating that? Like this, this is what I really want, but is that really the best choice, right? Like that chatter in the back of our mind. What would happen if all of that brain capacity was not taken up by your food and could actually go to doing what gets you excited? What, you know, what do you want to create with all this added brain capacity that you're going to get back? Mm-hmm. You know, that's really what we're talking about. Yeah. That sounds very freeing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it's a weight lifted, no pun intended, you know, but like off your shoulders, because the reality is then we can start to make decisions based on, well, how do I want to feel after, right? How do I want to feel a minute after? And how do I want to feel 20 minutes after? And how do I want to feel a day after? Yeah. Right. Cause a lot of times, I mean, when we get into food sensitivities, reactions can happen up to three days later, hmm. but something, maybe something sounds really good in the moment, but a minute after you eat it, you're beating yourself up. How is that serving us? Yeah. Maybe it's actually easier to eat the foods that don't give us a reason to beat ourselves up. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> That's the truth. I mean, <laughs> but it's a totally, it's a different way of looking at all this stuff. Yeah. It's really coming back to self-worth and like, are you, that is, oh my gosh, that is where I'm at this year. Really struggling with self-worth. I'm coming out of healing from PTSD. And so much of that I've realized is like, I have come to have this belief that I'm not worthy of enjoying my life. Like I should be suffering. I should be sick. I should be unhealthy. I should Mm -hmm. make the wrong decision. Like who am I to make the right choices and live a healthy life? So who are you not to? Exactly. (laughs) Yes, bitch. (laughs) Self-work. And it sounds really like, I get it. Like for somebody listening, you're like, seriously, I just want to lose five pounds. Like, I yeah. don't really want to talk about my self-worth. Like, I totally get it. There are little things that we can do. <laughs> but the reality is when we talk about habits, when we talk about long-term, it is so much bigger yeah. than just the food. Mm-hmm. It's not about the quick fix. But like you said, quickly, I want to um, yeah. talk about how you talked about burning fat as fuel without keto. Can yes. we have some tips on that? <laughs> okay. So- What we've learned through tons of research and science is that whether we are storing fat or not is a function of blood sugar. So when we eat to keep our blood sugar balanced and in a middle zone, a middle range, we're never storing fat. Okay. So um, I'll give you an example. Like of what can make, like when our blood sugar is too high and how that works. So let's say, you know, like when you go to the grocery store and you like unload everything on the conveyor belt and then there's someone who has to like ring it up and then somebody has to put it in the basket, in a bag, mm-hmm. right? When stuff like that conveyor belt comes at a nice even pace, the cashier rings it up and it gets in a bag, right? But when the cashier speeds up or the conveyor belt speeds up, 
the bagger is slower, <laughs> right? And all this food builds up on the conveyor belt, right? Our body sort of works the same way. So when food and fuel come at a nice even pace, our body produces insulin. Insulin carries all of that fuel to our muscles and our cells to be used, right? When it comes too fast, our body overproduces insulin to try to keep up with it. Now our muscles and our cells can only take in so much fuel at a time and then they close. But our fat cells, they're geniuses. Our fat cells are going, I am never going to let you die. So all of that extra fuel gets stored as fat and the extra insulin gets stored as fat. So what does that look like in real life? Let's say we sit down at the restaurant, we order super plain steamed fish and vegetables. We're like, look at me, right? Like I'm textbook. And then they bring that bread basket and you're like, well, I'm really hungry, right? So you have like a piece of bread. You're like, I'm just going to have one. Okay, the bread being high glycemic, right? A lot of carbohydrates and carbohydrates that uh, digest and absorb very quickly spike our blood sugar. It's literally like flipping a switch on that conveyor belt. It speeds up. And now, even though we ordered this super plain steamed fish and vegetables, our body is storing that as fat. The other extreme of when our blood sugar is too low. So that could be we don't eat all day. Or I see it with men a lot, don't eat all day and then have a big dinner, right? Or we just get busy and we forget to eat lunch. Or we decide, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut my calories and not eat for half the day, right? So our body and its infinite caveman wisdom doesn't realize that there's a refrigerator full of, full, full of food that we're choosing not to eat, <laughs> Our body thinks it's a time of famine. If it doesn't get fuel, our body says, oh, hunter-gatherer must be famine. So anything I get, because like I said, I'm never going to let you die, <laughs> right? Anything I get, I'm going to hold on to to survive, right? Fat is fuel stored to be used later. So in a time of famine, we burn very little and hold on to a lot of what we get so that we can survive. Mm -hmm. So we don't eat all day. Then we have that same steamed fish and vegetables for dinner, even this time without the bread. But because we didn't eat all day or for a bunch of hours, our body says, oh, it's a time of famine. Anything I get, even that super plain steamed fish and vegetables, I'm going to store it as fat so that I can survive. So our objective is to eat regularly and to eat foods that keep our blood sugar levels even and balanced. That way we're never in these extremes of storing fat. Mm -hmm. And I always say, you know, weight loss isn't magic, it's science. <laughs> but I do think there's a piece yeah. of this that's magical. One is when we're consistent eating that way and keeping our blood sugar levels even in that middle range, our body will say, oh, it's never a time of famine. I don't need all this fat I've been holding on to. And it'll release those fat stores. The other thing that happens when we're consistent is that our body is then better equipped to handle the occasional spike. So we're very consistent, keeping our blood sugar levels even. And then it's Thanksgiving or it's your birthday 
cool. Our body can handle the dessert. Our body can handle that holiday better than it does now. So it's not about going the rest of your life, like never eating birthday cake. Like if that's what it takes, I'm out, you know, <laughs> like salad with a side of fries over here. Right. <laughs> so, so it requires us to be consistent. It requires us to put some habits in place. It requires us to build muscle because muscle dictates metabolism. Right. But we can choose foods that keep our blood sugar levels even or more balanced and in this middle zone. So what are those foods? You're no taker, write this down. You ready? Protein and fiber at every meal makes removing fat no big deal. Protein and fiber at every meal makes removing fat no big deal. So protein is clean, lean protein. Okay, whatever you want that to be. You want that to be an animal? Cool. You want that to be plant-based? Cool. I don't care. Protein. <laughs> fiber is vegetables, and sometimes fruit. Those are your quality carbohydrates, right? Our body's preferred form of fuel is carbohydrates. The ones that we want have fiber, like vegetables and fruit. A meal is any time we eat. The difference between a meal and a snack is how much we have at a time. Mm -hmm. And then therefore, how long it's going to last us, right? And then the last thing that we need every day is a couple servings of quality fat, and someday I will figure out how to get that into the center. <laughs> <laughs> but in the meantime, you're with me. <laughs> That's so helpful. Burn fat as fuel without keto. Wow. But here's, I mean, and I will say like keto was designed for specific health conditions. It is right. also very unforgiving. The, so keto is about putting your body into a state of ketosis, which is when it's burning fat as fuel. I sort of joke like you burn or you breathe wrong and then you knock yourself out of ketosis. <laughs> but the reality is there is no room for error. There is no gray area in keto. Mm -hmm. If we knock ourselves out of ketosis, we have to get ourselves back into it before we're back to burning fat as fuel. So if you're looking to learn how to live life in the gray area between black, white, on, off, good, bad, right? That's not going to get us there. If we're looking to quiet that chattering voice, that's not going to get us there because it requires an extreme commitment. How long will this process take, you think, till I could see a result? Like, I feel like I eat semi-healthy right now, but if I want to start really committing to being in that balance. So that is very different person to person. A lot of times the first things we notice is a difference in our energy, a difference in our sleep quality, a difference in um, how we feel physically, right? The scale has to catch up to us. And especially if this is a big change from how you've been operating, your body might be like, wait, what's happening? I'm holding on to all the things till I can figure this out, right? So- Sometimes it takes time for the scale to respond, but it doesn't mean things aren't happening. And so that's another piece of this is one, start to measure body fat percentage more than just that total number. So get a scale or use an online calculator that uses tape measure measurements and the scale to calculate your body fat percentage. Um, and by the way, body fat percentage, not BMI. Um, and- Divorce the scale. 
I recommend that my clients once a month, we weigh and measure. And anytime we weigh, we're also doing tape measure measurements. Mm -hmm. And then instead of focusing everything on the scale, we want to use how's our sleep? How's our stress? How's our energy? And how's our self-confidence as the barometers for how we're doing day to day? Sleep, stress, energy are the real- And confidence. Signs. Okay. So with confidence and energy, Mm -hmm. when you're starting a side hustle or starting any type of business, you need that. So can you kind of switching gears, kind of talk about how you show up in that confidence energy and in that energy? um, that, you know, is filled up that wants to give, that wants to educate people and help people and support people. Um, and how do you, you know, go combat the obstacles of negative self-talk or, um, just feeling like if you don't have those credentials feeling like, well, who am I? Totally. And some of it, so some of it comes from practice, Yeah. right? Like, I'm going off of the credentials piece of it, right? And sort of that like imposter thing. The more we do it, the more confident we feel in whatever that practice area is. So maybe in the beginning, you're not charging a ton because what you're looking to gain is not so much money, but experience, Mm -hmm. right? And we sort of build over time. And When we, uh, there's like a million things flying through my head at this moment, because the other thing you said that's really sticking in my head is comparison and comparing ourselves to others. Compare and despair. That's it, right? Like whatever somebody else is doing or not doing has nothing to do with you on any level, right? And we don't know what else someone has going on. So for example, like before we started recording, We were talking about like, oh, I created this platform. Yeah, well, my podcast started in 2019. My conversations about health and weight started my whole life. Mm -hmm. And my business as a health coach started in late 2007. So like, it's all that iceberg stuff. Like we see the top piece of the iceberg, but it's all below the water. We don't know. We don't know someone else's story. We don't know what else they have going on. And so wherever you are is totally fine. And all you're doing is going from where you are. That's all you can expect of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and like we see other people and what they're doing, like, so what? And oh, I know, easier said than done for sure. But I think one of the other sides to that is to recognize like, what's your special sauce in this, right? And whatever you're doing, even if there's a million people doing what you're doing in your space, what's your special sauce? Mm -hmm. What makes you different? So for me, right? Like I talk about this stuff in a different way than a typical health coach, Mm -hmm. right? Like my energy around it is a little bit different. I make fun of it. My podcast is salad with a side of fries, right? Like we're not talking like green juices and smoothies for every meal. Like that's not real life for me, you know? So what's your special sauce? What makes you different than everybody else? What's your specialty? And then the other side of that is what's your story? Because 
99% of the time your client is working with you because of you mm-hmm. and you understanding your story, odds are that's what they're resonating with. And that's where they're saying, wait, I vibe with this person. So I want to work with that person, right? They're especially in the coaching space, right? They're buying you, not the worksheet that you're going to take them through. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So what's your special sauce? How do you present the worksheet that's different than the way somebody else does it? And I think focusing on your story is a really powerful place to start with that. And if you've had clients already, what do all those clients have in common? Right? For me, what I discovered, most of my clients, they've been battling this for a long time. This isn't their first diet, right? It's not their first rodeo. They're just this time ready to be done for good. Mm-hmm. Right? So we resonate on that. When I first talked to someone, like odds are we're joking around about all the diets we tried because we've probably tried a bunch of the same ones, you know, (laughs) that connection, (laughs) that connection is what resonates with them. We build that rapport and they're like, okay, you get me, (laughs) we get, right. I'm very different in that way than somebody who comes at this from maybe a more textbook approach. Mm-hmm. of saying, well, this is your calorie intake for the day and here's your menu for the week. Come back next week and I'll tell you what you're eating the following week. Mm-hmm. Right? If that's what somebody's looking for, someone else is for them. That's not me. And so I think by knowing our story and knowing our special sauce allows us to find our niche in what's a very crowded marketplace at times and being willing to say, that's not my client, that is. Yeah. That's powerful. So um, I forget if I mentioned it or not, but I'm in the middle of getting my certification for becoming a mindset coach. Uh And that's something that I struggled with because a lot of the coaches that I've interviewed or worked with are very comfortable calling you out or very comfortable um, with the uncomfortableness of coaching. And I feel like my approach is like more kind and gentle and slow. And at first I was like, I wouldn't be a good coach because I can't call people out, but I'm like, okay, actually that's probably my superpower. And that's where I'm exactly. And that's how I like to be coached. Like my therapist is not calling me out. She's like, take your time. (laughs) Right. And there are moments, right. There are moments where that tough love might be really helpful and appropriate, But there are also moments like, for example, nobody, I am not the food police. Nobody needs me to tell them to eat a cucumber over a Twix. Like, duh, thanks. You know what I mean? Like what we're looking for a lot of times in a coaching dynamic is not discipline. Mm -hmm. Yes. And most of us are way harder on ourselves than anybody else needs to be. We give ourselves the discipline. (laughs) Exactly. Nine times out of 10, I'm showing people how their challenges are actually victories. Beautiful. But it takes somebody else's eyes to see that. It takes a different approach. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I can tell you have so many gifts and skills that you can use (laughs) to your advantage. Thank you. So yeah, in starting your side hustle and taking it into your full-time business, like how are you, do you have a team? Are you super good at time management? Like what are your skills and how are you using those to your advantage? So it's interesting because I have a background in 
marketing and advertising. Um, and I went to business school. I weirdly can do the number stuff and the creative stuff. Um, and sometimes being able to do it all is the hardest part yeah. <laughs> because that to-do list just ends up being a mile long. Mm -hmm. Um, but I have over the last year and a half, um, really built my business working with interns nice. because it's first of all, like I have the skills so I can teach people how to do some things, but then it also takes things off my plate. Mm -hmm. Um, I can delegate the pieces that I would want to do, but just don't have the time to do. Um, so there are pieces like that where I do have a team in that way. And then I work with a lot of other entrepreneurs and lock arms together so that, you know, I might be in business for myself, but I'm not by myself building business, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's really important, choosing who you surround yourself with, people who, you know, you can ask questions, people who know more than you, people who, you know, you can help too. And everybody's skills sort of complement each other. So I do a lot of accountability with other entrepreneurs, um, mm. a lot of collaboration, you know, and a lot of networking, mm. you know, one of the biggest pieces of business development for me is building relationships and that is networking. And right now, you know, that's happening a lot on Zoom, which is a whole other skill set, right? But it's one of those things where recognizing, again, like where are your strengths? Sometimes in getting started, we are one and all of the things and the employees and the people, right? And then eventually we can get to a place where we're like, okay, this is a piece that I can delegate. But I think and it actually goes back to sort of the wellness stuff that we were talking about before, but in the beginning, you are your business. Mm -hmm. You know, like, frankly, you own a job more than you own a business in the beginning, right? Because if we're not doing something, we're not making money. So, so that's actually a job. And what that means, right, is that if we don't have our health, if we don't have energy, if we can't show up, nothing is happening in that business. Mm -hmm. And often too, like when we're getting started and we have a full-time thing and something on the side. And I, listen, I built my business on the side for 12 years. So like, I get it. So often our energy goes with the money. Right. Mm -hmm. So if a full-time job is providing a majority of the money, it tends to get a majority of our energy. So sometimes it takes moments of reset to say, Hey, wait, <laughs> you know, I don't have to be the best in this role, you know, to make the money yeah. maybe. And I'm not saying slack, right. But maybe I can keep doing everything I'm doing here not take on 20 new things at my day job and focus over here or set some boundaries if we're in a position to be able to do that, you know, and say, okay, I'm leaving at this time every day. Or maybe it looks like finding a different day job that allows you to have different balance. You know, maybe it's finding a different day job that doesn't use up all of your brain power and capacity for the day so that you can leave and have 
time for your business. Or one of the other things that I used to do too is for a majority of those 12 years, I would work out after work so that that workout allowed me to get rid of my day job and go into my business with a clear head. Yeah. Right. It was like the physical release of that stress from the day and a physical barrier between their stuff and my stuff. Yeah. So what that might be for you, it might be three deep breaths, might be all you need to have a barrier between their stuff and your stuff, right? But figuring out what replenishes you, what refills your cup to be able to say, okay, I'm going to now go into this, my business with the energy that it deserves and with the energy that I want to give it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Really great point about the barriers. I was interviewing a lady yesterday about, um, kind of like what we're talking about growing your business. And she was talking about how there's like different zones of, I forget what it's called, but it's like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And how so many of us are stuck in the zone of excellence, working out our career because we're good at it. Um, and it's where the money is, but then we lack that zone of genius, which, you know, is all our creativity and where we're actually being called. Um, so like you said, you really put a lot of focus onto networking with other entrepreneurs and things like this. Um, but did you have any intentional mentors on learning how to start a business or, you know, like you said, learning, um, more about nutrition and that type of stuff? Did you have any mentors or courses or books or anything? All of the above. Like <laughs> all the things. Um, I have mentors who are specifically adept in the wellness space and some on the business side, some on the more technical side, you know, like doctors and practitioners who like, I want to crawl inside their brain and learn everything. Right. Like when they speak, I like can't write fast enough. Um, and then it's also about, you know, who else is in a similar boat to you, but maybe has figured something out. You know, like, I think we can look at everyone and find something to learn. Yeah. And mentors might look like, you know, the person sitting next to you at a workshop, you know, as much as it might be the person on the stage, you know, but finding those people to surround yourself with, to ask the questions and go through the brainstorming piece, um, you know, and again, I think it's like similar to what you were saying in the beginning of, you know, like our career path makes sense when we look backwards. A lot of times, like we don't necessarily know the mentors when we first meet them. And so it's sort of like collecting all of these people <laughs> in our world and recognizing what each of their zones of genius are, and then being able to go to them for those kinds of questions. Mm, yes. Very open-minded, very like open to opportunities. So what is next for a salad with a side of fries? How can we get involved? Where can we find yeah. you? Give us all that. Yeah. So, okay. Salad with a side of fries, all the podcast platforms were there, you know, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Pandora, all the places, Stitcher, you know, all those. Salad with a side of fries. All social media, I am at Jen Trepic, J-E-N-N-T-R-E-P-E-C-K. Um, salad with a side of fries podcast.com. And 
above, first of all, send me a message. Like, please let me know what's resonating with you from our conversation today. You know, I just, I love hearing from you. And, you know, what's next for Salad with a Side of Fries? We are on a mission to change the state of healthcare. So what that looks like is certainly like I work with clients individually and in small groups. Um, I'm training other coaches to work with me and the program that I teach so that we can help more people. And also working with health professionals to implement wellness into their practices. So if you're a health professional, if you know a health professional who's interested in this wellness space, but maybe doesn't know how to get started, or if you're looking to become a health coach or get into the wellness space, let's chat. Yes. Oh my gosh. I can't thank you enough or recommend you enough. This was so helpful. I have two pages of notes. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. We could chat for forever. So this yes. is awesome. Yes. Come back anytime. I will, of course, link all that down below and keep my audience updated. But thank you so much. This was so helpful and so informative. Well, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure.